Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Thank you for joining us for a special four-part series entitled All About Private Placements. Joining us for a conversation is Tacoa Da Silva. He is an accomplished, licensed financial advisor for Sprott USA, the preeminent name in the natural resource space. Full disclosure, the following is not a Sprott USA endorsed product, and it is for educational purposes only. Tacoa, the question I have for you is, can I find a private placement on my own, or do I have to go somewhere else to find this information? Yeah, you can find a private placement on your own. Uh, I think it's probably good if a person wants to do that, um, they could sort of try it out for a bit to see if it to see if it fits. And the best way to start that process is to visit a couple news websites that are out there uh, that publish press releases and other information on junior uh, mining companies. Those websites will routinely republish the press releases announcing private placement by companies in the space. And uh, the way to sort of dip your toes in is to call and email the contact information at the bottom of some of those press releases, the investor relations contact, and just start talking to them. If you like uh, the way that a certain private placement looks, you can request the paperwork, you can participate in it, in it if you like. That could be a way to sort of dip your toes in and see if you uh, like that process if you want to do If you want to create for yourself a pipeline of incoming deals, I would say that process probably takes a couple years. And a great way to build that for yourself is to do what I just mentioned, is to put together a list of websites that publish those things. Uh, one that comes to mind is, of course, the uh, a Proven Improbable, uh, your website, uh, Maurice, which is fantastic. Um, and then the uh, you know 321 Gold, uh, Bob Moriarty site is uh, wonderful for that too, as well as kitco.com and uh, many other sites. Um, so uh, they can start to bookmark those first. But building out the infrastructure, I think, also includes two very good sources of information. And the first one is uh, brokerage houses. A person can open two to three brokerage accounts with natural resource specialist firms where they uh, indicate that they have an ongoing stream of private placement uh, opportunities available to them. Just get the account open and uh, see if you can open it you know, with maybe a zero deposit or something like that so you can get to know them. Uh, and then talk to a couple different brokers there and see if there's someone that you uh, seem to get along with. Um, and then give them six months or 12 months of you know getting to know each other and see what they present to you. During poorer market conditions, you will always be fed a stream of probably uh, suspect private placement deals where the cost of capital is really um, low for the issuer and high for you, the investor. And, and, and in many of those cases, it will be a capital markets uh, or a capital raising group who's earning a commission selling the deal. They're not buying it themselves in many cases. They're just making a fee selling it. So you want to keep that in mind as you consider those deals from those sources one at a time. So that's the second source. Third source I think is wonderful, uh, is a growing source, and that is pro uh, uh, newsletters that focus on natural resource mining, uh, junior mining shares that are building out a private placement information uh, 
delivery uh, part of their service. There are a couple that come to mind, um, but the best way to do it is to email the dozen or so junior mining resource newsletters out there and ask the editor of every single one of them, do you cover private placements? Can you put me on your VIP list? Uh, and they'll they'll tell you as opposed to me recommending, you know, which uh, may or may not be good uh, for any one person. So, so once again, junior mining website, uh, two or three brokerage accounts with specialist uh, natural resource firms. I'm just thinking North America because uh, that's where I have, you know, more, more, more experience dealing. Um, three firms that a person could look at are Sprott Global Resource Investments, the uh, office in Carlsbad, California. Uh, they could also look up uh, Haywood Securities. I believe they have an office in Vancouver as well as uh, Canaccord Securities. I think they have an office in Vancouver too. They talk to all three of them. And then once again, uh, look up a dozen junior mining uh, newsletters and talk to the editors and, and see what, what they can provide. And again, in reference to Sprout USA, a great resource is the resource we have right here before us. Tacoa, uh, I know you have a number of clients that participate and contact you and uh, look for guidance regarding uh, private placement. So we'll provide that correspondence again to contact you. And again, in reference to Proven Improbable, if you look on our homepage, it's very simple. Subscribe for free. And right below the subscribe button is we ask the question, are you accredited? And that's the very reason we ask that question. Should a private placement opportunity come about, we will notify you. All right, next question I have for you, sir. Uh, what type of people and resources do I need to participate in a private placement? Okay, um, so assuming that you've got your deal flow uh, structure built, um, using those junior mining websites, uh, using your broker uh, contacts, and using your newsletters, um, what else do you need? Uh, if you're going to be doing junior mining private placements, it's, again, exploration and development stage companies that most often raise money by private placement. It is an extremely high-risk business. Uh, and you, I think, in order to do intelligent speculation or investing, I think it's really important to have geological input. Having a skilled, uh, experienced geologist um, geological input from some source, hopefully multiple sources so you can compare them against each other so that if so that you're not just relying on the information that a management team may be giving you, the same management team that's asking you for your money by private placement. You really need someone to help you vet the deals, the quality of the, of the deals. Now where can you get geological information and input? Boy, um, a person could do some scuttlebutt. Uh, they can go to some uh, junior mining resource conferences and meet geologists on their own and pick up business cards, meet a number of them, talk to them over time, develop friendships and uh, see you know, who has uh, more experience and a skeptical eye uh, in looking for good investments. They could talk to the brokerage houses and say, who do you have on staff? What is their experience? Uh, how many people do you have on staff with geological expertise? And then they could also ask the same thing to the newsletter writers that they may deal with. Hey, um, do you have a, a background in geology? There's one newsletter that I'm thinking of that has a couple guys that have spectacular background uh, in geology. And they're Is that not, Brent, uh, you're referring to Brent Cook there? 
You're darn right. <laughs> well, yes, yes, Frank Cook and uh, awesome uh, work. yes, and his partner Joe Mazumdar. Uh, yes. You know these these guys are brilliant. Uh, and uh, my belief is that they also have you know skepticism and experience too that I think is really needed. So. Uh, what people and resources do you need? Okay, uh, so you, assuming that you've got your pipeline for deal flow in place, that's check. Okay, assuming you've got your deal quality filtering process in place in terms of geological input from those uh, places that I just mentioned, check. Uh, lastly, um, you need administrative people in place to be able to help you deposit your securities and then strip off any restrictive uh, treatment that may be in place that would preclude you from being able to resell your stock in the open uh, or, or your other securities in the open market. So where do you get that administrative staff? That goes back to uh, our group of uh, broker-dealer uh, broker dealer houses, where in addition to a broker-dealer that um, has expertise in private placements and you know, geological expertise, you want to talk about their depositing capabilities. Are you able to deposit physical shares or physical securities of companies? What are the costs? What are the time frame uh, for doing so? What is the paperwork, um, uh, the uh, paperwork assembly procedure? Because these days, uh, the cost of doing that for North American companies, certainly for American uh, uh, broker-dealer houses, in my view, continues to go up, uh, the cost of offering that service. Uh, and it, it really is just as much legal as it is financial. Uh, so you really want to have that part mapped up before you even buy a, a, a private placement. You, you, you want to find out about the administrative route to get out of the speculation and out of the investment when you're ready. Um, so, uh, so that's what I would say to people and resources. Again, uh, your infrastructure to find the deals, your people infrastructure to vet the deals and, and get secondary and, and, and tertiary opinions on the quality and the terms. And then thirdly, your administrative staff in place who can process it, clean it, uh, you know, clear the restrictive legends and then help you sell the stock at some point in the future. We've covered the administrative costs. Let's talk about the cost to participate in a private placement. What are those costs usually? Well, uh, I would say you've got participation minimums with an issuer uh, of... I, I think it's usually about $10,000 Canadian. That's um, what I've, I've encountered myself, yes. Yeah. Oh, the issuer can always confirm that. So that's about $7,500 US. Uh, and then about the three to $600 and usually administrative fees. Uh, your broker-dealer can confirm that cost for you. And then I would also say to budget a one to two, maybe two and a half percent sales commission cost on your way out when you sell the security, just write that into your budget and then your, your broker can confirm the exact cost for that sales commission. Let's talk about third party fees uh, uh, when participating in a private placement. What can you share with us? Yeah. So for third party fees, I would bundle that into the, or I, I, would, I would make it part of that three to $600 budget uh, that I mentioned. So third, third party fees. Well, you know, you've got, uh, first off, uh, Every brokerage firm has to have something called a clearing firm, a clearing bank. That's where they deposit all the customer's cash and securities. So if you want to deposit a private placement obtained security, they call that a physical security because whenever you do a private placement, they actually print security certificates that they have to physically send somewhere. And when those folks get it, they need to deposit it. They usually deposit it into their vaults 
systems uh, until they get ready to, you know, physically process it and, and, and send it out somewhere else. So just to take it in, to touch it, and then deposit it, they, they, they have a sort of legal process, you know, uh, in place to touch people's property. And so just to deposit it, you have to expect probably about a $100 deposit fee. But that depends on the clearing firm that a person uses. The broker-dealer will be able to confirm the deposit fee. Then once you've uh, done that and you get ready to remove restrictive legends that may be on the back of a security, a legend uh, is simply a, a paragraph of text. And a restrictive legend is, means a restrictive paragraph of text that is printed on the back of a security that says, you can't sell this security until this such and such date or until, until such and such uh, uh, conditions have been satisfied. And that usually has, in my experience in dealing with U.S. markets, is that it has to do with satisfying legal uh, circumstances regarding where you are allowed to sell securities and where you are not allowed to sell securities. But you want to talk to your broker about that because they can give you really specific advice about a specific security issue as well as the issuer, the company is, that, is, uh, that gave you the private placement. So they'll confirm that language on restrictive uh, legend uh, text that's on the back of the certificate. So how do you remove those? Well, it's your clearing firm bank working with a party called a transfer agent. And a transfer agent is a bookkeeping firm that is an intermediary between the clearing firm and the issuer in uh, helping to just handle stock certificates and keeping records of who owns what, dividend payments. They, they handle all that bookkeeping stuff with regard to securities. So the clearing firm is going to send the, the, the physical securities to the transfer agent. The transfer agent, they get it, and they're going to assist with removing those restrictive legends and printing new certificates, and they're going to charge for that fee. So um, out of that three to $600 budget you know, for third-party fees, I would say put 100 aside for the deposit fee. And then I would also, I would expect between one to $200 of legend removal fees to come from the transfer agent. Computer Share is a very large trans uh, transfer agent company, so they're usually part of the process. And then I'd even make an extra little budget for let's say 50 to $75 of an additional transfer agent fee of some kind that they might put back on before they send that back to the clearing firm. So third-party fees, uh, that's, that's, that's what I would say, but that really only covers about three, three to four hundred dollars, just those two things, and I would say make an extra two hundred dollar budget for when things go wrong, because sometimes things go wrong. Um, some forms uh, sometimes can be misplaced, truly, that, 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 that stuff happens, uh, and it can happen anywhere. Um, so you may have to resubmit things and then, you know, sometimes you may get double charged for something uh, and it will take you forever to fix the double charge. You know, these, just all these little tiny little things that come up. Yeah. So uh, it, that's why you just want to make it a little extra in your budget so there's no surprises. So I would say that those, that pretty much covers the third party fees. And so just to, 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 to cover that again, so you're going to receive a stock certificate that's number one. Number two, it goes into then if you do wish to have that legend removed, which allows you to sell that share, you have to get the legend removed and then you would send it either A to the transfer agent and the transfer agent then makes it into a direct registration. Am I correct in that? Or does it not go into direct registration? Because you're trying to eventually get it to street name, which is when it's with your broker. That's right. Okay. Well, uh, 
Each broker may have a slightly different experience, Maurice, because of the um, procedures that their clearing firm may require of them. So uh, my experience has been that uh, when an issuer uh, issues the securities that were purchased during the private placement, um, they could be, uh, based on my experience, issued through uh, two different avenues. One, uh, the transfer agent may immediately print and send out the securities to the subscribers. And the subscriber just means the person who participated in the private placement. They could immediately send out those securities to the person in the mail. So you open up a package and you've got physical stock or debenture or warrant certificates right there. That's the first avenue. The second avenue is they'll send, they'll, they'll be created at the transfer agent, let's assume computer share or something. And then what will happen is they'll be kept at computer share or at the transfer agent in an account there, uh, which there the, the term DRS is often used, which is direct registration system. And I've seen people uh, often uh, are issued a statement, and it says DRS advice statement, which is similar to like a statement that you may get from a savings bank, which shows the property that you have inside the account at that organization. So the issuer, once again, the, the stock, the security may be issued in two different ways. One, immediately put in paper form and sent to you in the mail, or two, kept in DRS advice at the transfer agent. Now, how do you get it to the broker? If you get the physical securities to, to you in the mail, you can immediately send them to the broker and then they'll reroute it to their clearing firm and to the transfer agent to initiate that process of legend removal. Um, or if you get the securities issued to you uh, on your behalf, but inside a DRS advice or a DRS account with the transfer agent, you'll want to double check with your broker uh, to say, okay, I've got the security issued to me, but it's in the uh, account, the DRS account at the transfer agent. Can you please advise? Can it be digitally transferred to you, uh, to your clearing firm? Or does it have to be produced into paper? And does the paper have to be sent in to go through a formal legal review process before it will be allowed to be deposited into the account? Um, in either way, uh, somewhere in that process, the broker that you deal with will likely ask for what are called legend removal forms, which are just extra forms that you sign by hand and you usually send the original uh, wet signature documents by postal mail to the, to the broker dealer and then they'll supply them to the to the to their clearing firm uh, to to aid with the process. Um, does that answer the question? It certainly does, and I hope it answers anyone's question who's uh, has some ambiguity regarding this because it it can really be a challenge and frustrating, uh, not knowing what to do once you get that. Because how do I sell it? And you you really. I honed in on that and shared that with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes part two on All About Private Placements. If you wish to have a conversation with Mr. DeSilva, email tdasilva at sproutglobal.com. If you want to find out which private placements have our attention at Proven and Probable, simply visit provenandprobable.com. Place your correspondence in the subscribe box and let us know that you are accredited. Subscription is free, and we do not share your correspondence with third parties. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, 
or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.